welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the Butler Bulldogs 68-60 in the Crossroads Classic in Indianapolis. The result of this game pushes the Hoosiers to 5-2 on the season. And this was a game where Indiana really did not play well again in the first half in the Crossroads Classic. I don't know what it is about first halves in the Crossroads Classic, but for some reason we don't seem to play very well. But then we come out in the second half like our hair is on fire and play a lot better. You know, this game reminded me a lot of the 2015 game where Indiana just had a totally uninspired performance. And Troy Williams came out in the second half and was just dynamite, being aggressive, going to the basket. And the rest of the team really seemed to follow suit. And I thought in the second half today, we saw some of that with Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson really keying things, running the floor, playing well on defense. And that got Indiana going. And they just exploded out of the gates in the second half, did not look back, and ended up dominating a team in the second half in Butler that they should have. You know, this Butler team missing its leading score, missing an impact transfer. Their season has obviously been even more tumultuous than most teams' seasons have been. It's a game Indiana should have won. They didn't look like they were ready to do it in the first half, but they came out in the second half and got the job done. And we are going to break it all down for you here on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, which means that the original Assembly Call trio back together doing a post game show for the first time in what feels like forever. So uh, very special afternoon here. This will be fun. But let's start the show the way we start every show. That is with our banner moment. And for the banner moment, I'm going to go to about midway through the second half, 1256 mark. Indiana is up five following a Jerome Hunter three. They're on a 16 to three run at this point. You know, really, again, as I said, really being keyed with defense. And Trace Jackson Davis had a huge block shot. Armand Franklin got it, pushed it up in transition. He missed it, but Al Durham was able to be there to follow for the two. That bucket put Indiana up 47 to 40 and was the culmination of this 19 to 3 run that just grabbed all of the momentum, all of the control from Butler, put it back in Indiana's hands, and it really signified what Indiana did to get back into the game, which was disruptive defense from Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, and then running the floor in transition. This Butler team is pretty good defensively. Indiana's half court offense was getting pretty bogged down, but when this Hoosiers team can get out and run, they really can get into a nice rhythm offensively, and we saw that, but it was keyed with the defense. You know, Indiana obviously has, you know, top 10 defense in Ken Palm coming into this game, but in the first half, they did not play like that. You know, very leaky on defense, not the same toughness, not the same energy that we've seen, but they had that in the second half, and Trace and Race down low were a big part of it. Indiana had seven blocks and five steals in the second half. So, I mean, just incredibly disruptive. That led to a lot of the runouts, but it was keyed by Trace and Race. And when those two guys are playing really good, Indiana can be really good. In the first half, they weren't. I thought both those guys were getting out physical, just didn't seem to be as locked in as we've seen them. But in the second half, they were, and Indiana followed their lead, and the Hoosiers were able to get the win today, uh, which they definitely needed. Okay, our banner moment today, as always, brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, now in their fourth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call. And, you know, with winter here and hoodie weather officially arrived, you need to make your way over to their website, homefieldapparel.com. They have something unique for everyone on your shopping list, especially IU fans, and all of their apparel is printed on the softest, most comfortable, most washable materials that you will find anywhere. I woke up this morning. And the first thing that I did was I put on my crew neck sweater. I've got the shoes logo with the with the crew neck sweater 
It is so soft, so comfortable. I didn't even want to take it off. But I figured, you know, I should wear a collared shirt for this. You know, first time that we've all been back together. Uh, but as soon as the show is over, I'm going to go back and put my home field apparel stuff on because it's so great. Got the bison hoodie, the script Indiana sweatshirt, the assembly call shirts. They've got something for everybody if you're an IU fan. And remember, it's not just IU gear anymore. If you have anyone that you need to get a gift for at, at you know so many different schools across the country, you need to go to Home Field Apparel and check them out. They serve fans from Akron to Xavier, Hawaii to Pitt, from Hope College to the Colorado School of Mines. And their designs are so unique, interesting, and vintage that you know you may end up like Coach Tonsoni and buying shirts and hoodies for schools that you've barely heard about just because you like the designs. And remember, you can always save on your home field order by using the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. It will give you 20% off your entire order throughout the year. So go to homefieldapparel.com, load up your shopping cart, and enter ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off. That's homefieldapparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on this Indiana victory. Yeah, it was. I felt like the defensive effort at the beginning of the game was was there in the first few possessions, and then it waned really quickly. And Butler got the ball pretty much wherever they wanted. If they posted up, you know, I use not running doubles than anybody. They would just let them slowly back them down toward the basket, and they missed a lot of shots um, close. And then IU gets that four zero run toward the end of the half uh, with some TJD free throws and, and Al making a shot uh, at the end of the half. Not a good shot, but uh, a <laughs> good because it went in. And, uh, and then they came out of the locker room and were totally different defensively. They're the defensive team that we've come to expect this year. Gave up eight points in the first 22 possessions, uh, 14 points in the first 30 possessions. So those numbers got a little bit worse as they gave up some, some baskets there down the stretch. But really were dominant on that end of the floor. Forced a lot of turnovers, were incredibly active, blocked a lot of shots, as you mentioned. And, um, and the offense came around well enough uh, during that stretch. But I think they really seemed to feed off of the success they were having on the defensive end. And even when Butler would make little runs here and there, Trace really seemed to assert himself. Uh, there was a time they were, you know, I use up eight, Butler cuts it to six, and he goes right back down, just drives a guy, gets fouled, goes to the line, makes two free throws. So uh, I thought a lot of good moments like that from him. Uh, and, and a number of other things I think we can talk about from a depth perspective because IU did not play hardly, not play that many guys in the second half. Um, so I think that continues to be a theme of this team. But the defense that, like I said, we had come to expect and just wasn't there uh, early in the game uh, really showed up in the second half. And uh, I think you finish out the non-conference season about where most people would have expected IU to be. And they've got a few wins over power conference teams, which is always going to be helpful when it comes uh, tournament selection time. All right. So let's see. Indiana starts off the game sluggish. It was an 8.30 a.m. Pacific time tip. Gosh, I wonder what Ryan's rant is going to be today. Ryan, the floor is, this is the only reason I'm you. here, by the way. It's the only reason I showed up today. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised. Look, I I do think that the sluggish first half both ways had a lot to do with, you know, starting at 1130. And I don't even know why there was no reason given why they started at 1130 instead of noon. I mean, maybe it's not to conflict with the Big Ten championship football game, but that started it 30 minutes later. Anyway, I I don't I don't want to get into it. Uh, I actually want to talk about race Thompson because I thought he had a really poor first half and, and he had you know, no points. Oh, three from the field. He missed two threes, which neither one of which, neither one of which I thought was a bad shot, but you know, he missed them both only two rebounds, one assist. And he had two turnovers in 14 minutes. I thought he came out in the second half and changed the game. Now I think, I think Trace Jackson Davis was part of that as well, but Thompson alone in the second half, 10 points, uh, 
you know, five rebounds, two assists, uh, a block. He just seemed to be everywhere offensively and defensively. He was switching on the guards and defending them very well. Uh, and his energy and effort on both ends is just when he is playing well is so impactful for this team. And I thought that he and, and trace, and we're going to talk about trace, but I think that it needs to be noted how good race Thompson was in that second half, just battling for rebounds, impacting shots. I mean, even if he didn't get the block, he was affecting shots almost every time somebody drove into the lane, he or trace Jackson Davis was there uh, to affect a shot. And and I just thought with the guard play, maybe slowing down a little bit as, as Armand Franklin only scored, you know, seven in the second half. I thought that it was really important that those post guys sort of step up and they did. And, and, and Trace Jackson Davis was okay in the first half defensively. He struggled, but he was okay in the first half and he took his game to another height in, in the second half. Thompson was bad. Something happened at halftime and he came out with his hair on fire and he really helped change the momentum of the game. And that's, that's why Indiana won. They dominated on the interior in the second half. Yeah. Boy, you said something there that's interesting. Armand Franklin only had seven points in the second half. I just only. mean against what he did in the first No, half. I know. That's, you know, yeah. But I think that's a sign of where Armand is right now and how quickly mm-hmm. he has ascended early in the season, I mean, to being the most dependable backcourt scorer that Indiana has. He is really great. You know, look, Al Durham, you know, scored 11 points and has done a nice job overall this year. But Armand has really kind of taken that mantle of kind of the backcourt wing player that you count on now. And this is his second straight elite shooting day. He goes five for seven. He's now 12 of 17 at Banker's Life Fieldhouse, which I think we can yeah. now officially start referring to as Armand Franklin Fieldhouse. I think we can just we can just do that. But it's his living room. Yeah. You know, and, and he it was one of those things in the first half. Like I thought Armand shot really well, you know, made four threes and they were all really important, but he didn't play overall the way that we've seen him. Wasn't getting rebounds, not getting assists, turning the ball over a little bit more. And I thought he was better in the second half. I mean, everybody just played with more focus, more attention to detail, and yeah. more energy in the second half. They but, woke up because it was later, Jared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they no, finally woke up. Had a nice brunch in the locker room, and it was <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> one thing I want to note on Franklin and Trace Jackson Davis, they combined for nine turnovers, but some of those were really bad charge calls. I mean, I, I like I like everybody on Twitter was saying this. Reporters from wherever were saying these were bad charge calls. I had one guy tell me that it was good defense on the one where uh, yeah. the guy fell over uh, two seconds after Armand released the pass. Yeah, uh, it, 20, it, 20 feet from the play. I was told. Why was is Brad Davison tweeting when he has a game going on? Seriously, it's odd. Uh, well, he might be on the bench by now, given how much so they're winning. But that's three. <laughs> three of Franklin's turnovers were charges. And two of them were egregious calls. One was borderline. And I think Trace Jackson Davis, he had that one breakaway layup where they called the charge when the guy was still moving backwards and in the restricted area. And then he had another one where he he leaned into a guy and he felt like he'd been shot by a sniper. So I, I, I really can't get mad at those five turnovers. I thought they were all pretty much all bad calls. So I wanted to note that while we're praising Armand, he did have five turnovers, but three of them were pretty stupid. Yeah. But you know, Andy, it's a big development that he's making threes. You know, we've been so desperate for someone to make threes and look, it's been, you know, two games and, and, you know, Indiana shot what I think 38, 39% in the last game against North Alabama, they were seven for 16 today. Armand did a lot of the heavy lifting at five for seven. So We'd be foolish to say that we can start counting on this moving forward, but we've been desperate for it in two straight games. You know, Armand has stepped it up and done this. And so if he can keep shooting, not obviously at this clip, but if he can be a guy that's going to step out and make 35, 36, 37% of his threes, 
that's really, really important for Indiana, you know, to have, cause you know, Al's going to eventually start shooting a little better. I know Ryan, you have some, you know, some hot takes on, on the way that Al's shooting right now, but if you can get Armand shooting consistently like that, it would really add a, another dimension to this offense that they need. Yeah. I think you go back to some of the depth questions and you, and you didn't see a lot of guys uh, on the perimeter play Lander didn't play in the second half and we exchanged some texts about that. Um, and, and you really got to find guys who are going to be consistent and Armand is, is getting to that point where he's there. And I think it shows you what confidence does for these guys. And I think that sounds cliche when we say it all the time, but to see if you go through and, and coming off a game where he shot the ball really well in a, in an arena where he has shot really well, historically, uh, I think confidence for him was, was big. He had a couple go in and he was doing a terrific job, you know, using screens a couple times in the first half. Uh, made a nice cut, lost a guy as he as he popped back out on the wing and hit a three. So I think he's getting more comfortable uh, doing some of those things, and they're you know running sets that are giving him some of those kinds of opportunities. So uh, made a nice mid range shot there toward the end of the game, uh, and and was aggressive going to the basket at times. I think that led to you know some of those charge calls, which I, I agree with Ryan, at, at least two of which were uh, were questionable at best. And so you have that. There's still a little sloppiness there. There's things he can get better on. And, and like you said, didn't make the the all-around contributions in the first half that he did, even though he was making shots, although some of those shots really kept IU in the game, hit a big three when Butler started to build a little bit of a lead in the first half and, um, and overall. But yeah, he, he's become so far, and, and I think Al will get there, but he's been pretty easily the most consistent guard they've had over the last handful of games, which I don't know is something that any of us would have expected. Uh, but he's uh, he, he's really stepped into his own and, and seems to be able to sustain that and build a little bit on it each game. Yeah, and even without the scoring, he started the season. You know, he wasn't scoring a ton right off the bat, but he was rebounding, as, as Jared mentioned, and he was doing the little things and obviously the defense. And it just seems like he's built confidence slowly, game by game. And now he's at a point where he is this team's lead guard. I mean, let's be real. He is this team's lead guard. That said, today I want to give Al Durham, although I do think his shot is off right now. He's miss Al rarely misses side to side on his shot. He usually misses long or short, and he's missing side to side, even on his free throws. And so yeah. that's just something. It's a mechanical tweak he's going to need to figure out. Whatever it is, I don't know what's off, but something's off, and he's missing side to side. And so that's something that he needs to get in the gym and work on. But that said, Eight rebounds today for Al Durham. I thought yep. he was aggressive from the jump rebounding, and he made up for the fact that Armand Franklin didn't rebound very well, didn't, didn't you know, go to his normal level of rebounding, and and Rob Finnessy didn't either. Rob only had three. So those guys are usually pretty decent at at finding, you know, loose change when the, when the big guys don't get it. So I thought that was one thing we can really praise Al Durham for was attacking and getting rebounds early. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. You know, and look, for what it's worth, it's early. But, I mean, you know, you're seven games into how many games are we going to have this season, Andy? 25, 26, 27, whatever it is. Uh, well, but, yeah, mean, we'd be at 27 if all the conference games get played. I mean, look, almost a quarter of the way into the season, Indiana now shooting 33.6% from three-point range, which is 146 in the country. Like, this is right now an above-average three-point shooting team, according to percentage. Now, the volume, they don't have the volume, and that's a big part of it. But, you know, since going up the there. last couple games. They're, yeah, they were trying to make up for that in the first half. That's yeah, sure. they sure were. But that's, you know, that, that's an important step for this team. Now, you know, everything can be sunshine and rainbows and stuff, you know, like Andy's sweatshirt. Um, when, uh, <laughs> you know, when you play well in the second half like Indiana did, but the first half did happen. 
And if Indiana had been playing a better team, you know, the hole that they dug for themselves late in the first half when they were down nine, you know, might have been much more of a problem. You know, but and I think that's important to note about this Butler team, just to put it into context, is again, you know, with their leading score out and you know, they've really had a rough go of it. And so, you know, this is not kind of your normal rock solid Butler team. And so I think we need to talk a little bit about what happened to Indiana in the first half. Because what I kept thinking to myself as that first half was going on is, number one, this is my biggest fear about this team long-term, which is they don't have any depth down low. And if Trace and Race are either just not quite as focused as they need to be or they get in foul trouble or, you know, God forbid there's an injury to any of them, there's no one behind them. And this really felt like a Joey Brunk game. You know, we talked all offseason how there would be probably a few games this year where Joey Brunk would come in and win the game with some energy, with some effort, you know, doing Joey Brunk things. They didn't have him today when they really could have used him. And the only depth they had down low was Jerome Hunter, who, when trying to defend in the post, just absolutely got abused. So, you know, Andy, as you as you look at this, and look, it Trace and Race erased it because they were able to play the full second half. They played really well, so it didn't hurt Indiana today. But there are going to be a lot of better teams coming up on the schedule. And so this continues to be my biggest concern is what does this team do, you know, when they run into any trouble down low? Because right now they don't have answers behind Trace and Race. Yeah, I, I wondered that in the in the first half because Trace picks up that early charge and it felt like defensively he was playing not to get a second foul. And I don't know that that's just him doing that. He may be, you know, coaches are telling him, Hey, we got to keep you out there. You can't make another foul, but, um, golden, I think it was, or yeah, it was golden. They had a golden and bolden. So I was a little, a little unsure, but I mean, he, he was really back and trace down and, and Enzi was doing the same thing with, with race. And I think those guys are trying to stay out there. Challenges. I mean, golden was, five of 16 from the floor and most of the shots he took were right around the rim he missed a lot of close shots now some of those were contested and i give iu a lot of credit for that but uh i i I, to me i i'm inclined to attribute it to that and i know iu artifacts tweeted out you know this is a game where iu really misses joey brunk i think he would have been a great matchup for for golden in that scenario can give you extra minutes isn't necessarily his defensive challenges aren't going to hurt you as much given the personnel that Butler had at that point. Well, and it allows the you, other guys rest if they're not yeah. playing well and sit down for a minute, you know? Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's the problem that, that you look at now is to say you have an abbreviated non-conference season that doesn't allow you some of the same opportunities to work guys in. And now you're going to start, you know, the 20 game big 10 gauntlet. You do have a little bit easier schedule up front. But you haven't really been able to get anyone else up to speed to play there. There aren't a lot of options either way. I thought Jerome Hunter struggled defensively. This was a game where guys were just going right at him and trying to post him up when he was in the game, uh, which some teams are equipped to do in the Big Ten as well. And Jordan Geronimo is really the only other option, and he didn't get a chance to play. And I'm not advocating that he necessarily should have, but you just haven't built up the depth that you you feel like you're going to need because seeing how some of these games are officiated you, you can't tell me that early on in one of these games one of the one of of race or trace isn't going to end up in foul trouble and then you're in a, a quite a predicament at that point to try to steal minutes with guys who haven't really been able to get a ton of run and haven't shown a ton when they've been in there so i to me that that i, I echo your sentiments as you kind of play that forward you just don't have other opportunities other than practice to really get other guys ready to play and step in Ryan, do you have any thoughts on the big yeah, man situation? Yeah, I, I, I think this team 
probably need, needs Joey Bronk to come back this year, and, and we'll see what the deal is. It doesn't sound like he's going to be around for a while. I mean, that's just basing that on our Archie Miller's comments, and maybe Archie's playing it down, playing down expectations, but it just feels like he's going to be gone for a while. And, and yes, Indiana does need another big, and whether that's you know Jerome Hunter really committing to playing the four, I know that that's what the coaches seem to want, uh, but... They just don't have a choice. I mean, they, they don't. And but but here's the thing: is I think Jerome succeeds more when he's playing on the perimeter more. And so you're gonna have to, if you have him in there as a post guy, you're gonna have to move him out to the perimeter more. And and um, so I look, I, I don't know what's gonna happen there. And and obviously you want Geronimo to maybe come along, but I think that there have been times where you've seen him out there and you realize he's a bit of a project. I think he'll be good. But he's not ready to just be thrown into Big Ten play at this point. And, and I don't think any of the freshmen really are. So I, I think that uh, it's, it's going to have to just be a mash unit, essentially. And you're going to have to go small and find a way to uh, compensate for it. And, and maybe you double the post more. Maybe, you know, I mean, there's ways to do it. But it just it's going to leave open guys on the perimeter. And, and in the Big Ten, if you do that, you couldn't get, you know, you can get beat. Yep. Okay, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's eight-point victory over Butler, I will point out today's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple-double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Also awesome, when Zach McRoberts gets a rebound at the end of a Crossroads Classic game in overtime and feeds it to you for the game-winning dunk. That's also awesome. We love you, Juwan. Uh By the way, Yogi Ferrell signed by the Utah Jazz, so he and Juwan reunited again in Utah, which is awesome. Saw that. Um, okay. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I am Jared Morris. Yes, I'm still here, uh, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips for breaking down Indiana's victory over Butler today. And guys, it's time for a few meaningful moments that folks might have missed. And for the first one, I want to go back to the first half, about the 9:28 mark. And Trace Jackson Davis got it on the elbow, drove in aggressively, got fouled. I noted this because it was his first aggressive take in the half court today. And, you know, Andy, you mentioned a couple times, both on Twitter and kind of in our texts, about how the offense, you know, early on, Indiana was really doing a nice job of setting and using screens. They were getting guys open from downtown. Armand made some three-pointers. 
And so, you know, the offense functioned okay, but it really started to get bogged down. And, and they just weren't getting Trace Jackson Davis involved. You know, it's almost like they kind of came out with a mindset to get other guys going. Um, and they also, frankly, guys just missed Trace when he was open on the block. There was one time in particular when Trey Galloway, who, you know, usually is, you know, kind of relatively aware of what's going on with the other players on the court, just straight up missed, you know, Trace wide open and he looked a little, a little frustrated. But I point this out because, you know, when you have a game like this where you're kind of struggling to get your big guys involved early on, it seems like you would make a more concerted effort to get him the ball early in the game. We almost always see Indiana do it in the second half, but sometimes in the first half they don't. And given how important Trace is to this team, I mean, th- we're seven, we're through seven games now. This team follows Trace Jackson Davis's energy. They follow his production. He's that important. It really seems like you would want to get him involved more early. Part of that is him. He's got to be more aggressive. But part of it is also the offense and other guys just finding him. And I was a little bit dismayed. I guess I just didn't understand early in the game why he wasn't getting more touches and why it took him so long to get involved. Well, I think that they were helping on him a little bit in the post. Butler was and kind of overplaying him and hedging and helping and, you know, all that stuff on the screens across. But I think also a couple threes went down early for Indiana and guys got confident in their shot and they started take pulling the trigger a little bit early in the offense. There were a number of times where Indiana came down and pulled the trigger on the first shot available instead of looking for a better shot. And, and, you know, some of them were open, but some of them were kind of that half open where there's a guy closing out on you. And maybe if you make one more pass, the next guy's more open or you shift it around and the defense is scrambling to get an easy drive. So I think they were just pulling the trigger too early and it was before trace was, you know, had a chance to set up. And if you notice with trace, sometimes, sometimes he's, he, he gets his position. He's open right away. But sometimes it's the second, maybe the third time he cuts across the lane or screens that he gets his established position. He's very good at sort of maneuvering his body in a way to get, you know, to make the defender move. You know, the first time you come down, everyone just seems sort of set in where they are. He's great at moving and shifting and maybe setting a screen high, rolling in and then pinning his guy. So he gets a lot of his position through the offense instead of just running down and getting position. And so it takes him sometimes maybe a cycle of the of the offense or a cycle moving around the perimeter to uh, to get into his position. So it takes time. And if you're taking early shots, you're not going to see him open. And so I think that that has a little bit to do with it. And, And I think that it wasn't a concerted effort not to get him the ball. I think that Butler was just giving them three pointers and they took a lot. They were five at 10, but I just felt like they were taking an early shot on a lot of those. When you run the offense, you might get something better in close. I thought they did a nice job of, of getting traced the ball in different positions. He was almost more effective getting the ball at the elbow and trying to drive somebody as opposed to getting the ball in the post. And and that was a couple of the times that he drove and got fouled uh, in, in some key situations. I think that was that was where they ended up getting him the ball. And like you said, Jared, I, I thought there were times they missed him. I, I think that play that you mentioned with Galloway, Galloway found him on a very similar play not too long after that. So I like to see that adjustment at least where they would, you know, the guy was late getting back um, from hedging and there was an opening and they didn't get him the ball. But I, I thought there were opportunities that they didn't get him the ball um, a, as well. And it can be one of those things where you make a couple threes early and you fall in love with it. And, and, and then you say, all right, well, this is the shot they're going to continue to get and water's going to find its level. Cause that was in some of the cases, you know, some of the shots Butler made in the first half were the same thing. They're making threes that they missed a ton of in the second half. They made some late shot clock things and it, it all evens itself out eventually. But 
Um, yeah, they made a lot of contested threes in the first half. Yeah, contested so, shots in general. Yeah, I think I do think they're doing a a a better job of getting him the ball in in a variety of situations as opposed to just post ups. So I think that's a positive. Uh, and you saw it come, coming out of one of the timeouts where they got him the ball and he got fouled. But I, I think there's still. Um, I think you'd be hard pressed in any game to walk out and say you're you're not going to say we got him the ball too much. Um, so <laughs> no. there's probably there's probably uh, there's probably room to shift things a little bit more. But uh, well, he's it definitely. A good, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're, I was just going to say he's become a good passer too. So it's not like you're going into a black hole there. I mean, he yeah. he's he's got good vision. He makes good moves. And then there's just so many times that it doesn't look like he has anything that he finishes and makes the shot. You know, I mean, it's. With him, you you know that you're going to get something good, even if it's rolling around the rim. There's a decent chance he or Ray Thompson is going to follow it up. There's yeah. the fact that he is can be straight up defended perfectly and make the shot. And there's a couple times he went up where I was like, oh no, pass that out, get it, repost, and it, the ball just goes in. And it's he's just so good that you're not going to go wrong getting the ball. You mentioned the passing. By the way, he had some great outlet passes today. He did. Some really good ones to kick off some transition possessions. Okay, one more meaningful moment that may lead us into a, a discussion that we were having on text here before we got on here. But back in the first half, there was a possession over on the left wing for Butler where Christian Lander and Jerome Hunter kind of got caught up and they were trying to execute a switch and a rotation or something. And they just completely botched it. And it led to a wide open three at the top of the corner that featured maybe the worst shot challenge I've ever seen from Jerome Hunter. You know, coach on here often talks about fake hustle where a guy goes running by somebody but doesn't really challenge the shot. This was a no hustle challenge from Jerome, which kind of like sleepwalked over to the guy, barely put his arm out. The guy made a three, and Archie was really mad, and rightfully so. I mean, they it was, you know, those two guys messed it up. And frankly, Christian and Jerome have been our two most inconsistent defenders all year. So if you're Butler and you can get those guys over on the on the side, you know, that's good. But the very next possession, they came down. Butler tried to do it again on the left wing, and Jerome and Christian handled it really, really well. And it was, you know, it was nice to see. Obviously, with a, a young guy like Christian Lander, he's going to make mistakes. You're looking for him to play through those mistakes, especially defensively. And you know, so I was. Uh, that was nice to see. What I didn't understand then is that was the only time Lander was on the court. He played two minutes and did not play again. And so, you know, if you want to argue. Uh, you know, I think Coach mentioned this, Ryan. I think you know you talked about this when, when we were texting about this. You know, he's making defensive mistakes. He's got to earn it by getting on defense. Like I agree with that. That's all well and good. But then when he makes a mistake and then makes up for it, that seems like pretty good progress. And this really seemed to me like a second half where if you're going to get him minutes, I really don't see an argument why he doesn't play more. It's more open court. You're getting out in transition. That's the kind of game for him. And frankly, he's better in transition than, you know, than certainly Rob is as a decision maker already. So I really, I did not understand why he only got two minutes and why he didn't see more time in the second half. Again, I understand his defensive deficiencies, but for a guy who was out there giving you effort, he's playing hard on defense. He just needs to learn. I would have liked to see him get some time in a game that I think really fit his skill set more in the second half. Yeah, I think part of it is just the perimeter defenders locked down in the second half and we're playing very well. And I think that yep. it's sort of, he didn't want to upset the apple cart when you're on a run and doing well. He wasn't going to start the second half. And then Indiana quickly got into a lead and was playing well and in a rhythm. And I think you don't want to crowbar somebody in there just to get him experience. I mean, Lander is here 
And he, sh- he I mean, it, I'm crowbarring him in there. The guy's a five star well, talent. Get him some time. Cr- no, I'm saying you're crowbarring him in there when you've got guys who are already locking down defensively and playing well, and you've got the momentum. Don't change what you're doing just to get him experience. You know what I mean? That that's what I mean by crowbarring. Yeah, I agree. But, but what I'm saying is, yeah. I also think he would have functioned well offensively Maybe. in this game. I, absolutely. But I also think it was important for Indiana to win this game, and I think that partially Archie's thinking we're winning this game. I'm sticking with what works. And and I think that I think Lander's going to be fine. And I think that he's going to start getting into more games, but in this game specifically, I think that it was just the way the game was going, the way Indiana was playing, why change out what's working and you need to secure this win. I, I think that, you know, you lost Florida state, you lost to Texas. You can't take a loss to Butler. You know what I mean? And this is not a great Butler team. It's a great opportunity for you to get a win. Now, I agree. I want to see Lander play more, but I also kind of understand the thinking of, you know, these this group that's on the floor is playing pretty well together, at least defensively. I mean, they held Butler 60 points, you know, and after they scored, what did they score in the first half? It was more than that. It was more than in the second. At 37 um, at halftime, I think. Yeah, so they held them to 23 points in the second half. I just think they were in rhythm and playing well. Don't mess it up i think that's the mentality i, I guess really that just seems like kind of a scared mentality when you can get a kid minutes in a game in a game flow that benefits him that's all i'm saying like i don't i don't think you're putting the game at risk necessarily and if he's just so bad then you can pull him back out but i just thought that that, that in particular was i a just good think spot you don't want to give minutes. butler any openings to get on a run you know and so you're using the guys you got now again i agree i'd like to see lander get more playing time and i think they should have put him in there sort of especially with about you know 10 minutes left where indiana had a solid lead get him 5 minutes yeah. you know or 3 minutes i i agree but at the same time i understand the thinking of it's going well why would i mess with it you know it's so it's like you're not throwing geronimo in there you're not throwing leal in there it's you know it, it, I'm, I'm no, just but you saying, have coaches. I, okay, I don't think that's a. I don't think comparing him to those. It's not right, fair. Is the, it's not a fair comparison. I'm just saying that you know, you're not throwing guys in there just to get them some run. And and I think that it's. I, I think I think the challenge for me is you just you and, have to and, focus and, first. Yeah, and the challenge for me and, and Lander just tweeted out patience is key. So perhaps that suggests he's putting it in a good context and and things like that. But I. The challenge for me is you. I don't know that you can treat this like you could a normal year because yes. it's not a normal year. So you know that you don't have. I mean, it's the same comment I made with the big guys. You you don't have other options to get guys up to speed or in a position to be able to play more than they are right now. Once conference play starts and playing an abbreviated non conference schedule means that for everybody. So I think in in a normal year you'd probably make that argument and hey, there's always another game. Like the next game is a, is a league game and you got 19 more league games after that. So what opportunities are there going to be in those games that allow for similar opportunities for him, for him to at least get a couple minutes. Nobody's advocating that he go, go out and play half of the second half because that makes no sense at all. Um, certainly based on how he had played and how other guys were playing. I think the fact that Trey Galloway had dished out five assists, certainly played in his favor of, of staying in the game as well. Um, so I, I see both sides of it, but it's just, if not now, when is the question for, for me of when you're going to get him minutes and get him minutes in game situations to make him ready to be a more important factor as the rest of the season goes along. But uh, like I said, if you, if you take his patience as key tweet as 
hey, I get it. I'm gonna wait my I'm gonna wait till my chance and and do that, then I think he has a good mindset about it, which is probably something they've discussed with him leading into it. Um so maybe it's maybe it's just easy for us to talk about and not really that big a deal. But um again, yeah. the depth, the depth, the the lack of depth just feels like it's gonna come back to bite this team and and you may have missed some opportunities to get guys minutes that would allow them to uh, to help that problem yeah at some point but yeah, t- to be clear i'm not saying you sacrifice the game and i'm not saying you kowtow to a guy who may or may not be upset about his playing time because we have no idea about that all i'm saying is you know i you put him in if obviously if he's playing terrible then you yank him out but i just didn't see that he didn't get any time to kind of get into a rhythm i just thought the game flow really would have been beneficial for him and, you know and you make a good point andy like you know you've got to win these games yes but i think Programs that are operating at a high level, you know, I was listening to the Moving Screen Pod uh, last week with Dylan Burkhart and um, and Brandon Quinn, and, and Brandon Quinn was talking about how you know with Michigan State, you know, Izzo's going to like throw all this stuff at the wall early in the season, let guys play through mistakes. They might lose a game here or there, but then by February, March, they'll kind of have it all figured out, have the rotations, and young guys will have come around. That's what I'm looking to see a little bit, which is you know. You, you know, you got to find some guys some minutes at some point this season, and now is the time to do it because of the schedule and what's coming in February and March. So I'm just hoping that this isn't a trend and that he's able to get more minutes going forward. Yeah, so. I don't think I don't think. And and my statement, I I and sorry, I dropped off there. Um, I don't. We just assume you were so angry that we were disagreeing with you that you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to hear what you just said. removed yourself from the conversation. You <laughs> okay, hear anything you had to say. Uh. No, I, I don't think that Archie Miller is thinking, well, I, I can't play him in this game or that game. I think it was game flow. And, and I think you're right, Jared, that he, it might have worked for him. But at the same time, things were flowing in a good way for Indiana. And I just, uh, you know, and, and here's the other thing is that a lot of people did not see Armand Franklin's development coming. And I think we expected Lander more because we needed somebody who could drive in, mix it up, do this, do that, kind of change the complexion of the team. Armand Franklin's picked up a lot of that slack. And so maybe you don't need Lander as much as you thought you did. Now, I do agree that adding him and getting him more minutes raises the ceiling on this team. I'm not I'm not saying that now we can just sit him on the bench and redshirt him or whatever. I mean, you don't need a redshirt this year, but whatever. You know what I like? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that the necessity of him playing more early probably fell off as Armand played better. And you can be careful with his development a little bit. I think against Northwestern, you need to play him a lot because I think that's a matchup where he can exploit his speed and, you know, the things he does offensively. I think against Penn state, you probably need to play him a lot against Illinois. That might not be a game that's good for him. You know, I mean, I think you need to pick your spots for him and maybe Archie just didn't think this was a good spot for him, whether we agree with it or not. I mean, you know, I think that's just the facts. Uh, we're just out here having hot takes from the cheap seats. So that's what we do. Um, let's start talking about numbers. And one number I want to point out, we'll kind of keep on this theme of talking about freshman playing is a uh, Trey Galloway who got 26 minutes, five assists today, no turnovers for Trey Galloway. And I thought he really played well and only took two shots. You didn't see Trey forcing a lot of shots today. Um, that was a know, big key for me. Yeah. I, I, you know, I thought, you know, see, I, you know, he really earned his minutes. I'm glad he got the minutes that he did. You know, you know, you're going to get effort from Trey, but you know, you're seeing him already kind of improve within the season with the decision-making, you know, because yeah, and- we, we've seen him in some of those games against, you know, the, the Tennessee tech game, North Alabama game, like he can do some things in those kind of competitions, but it's a totally different ball game for him when he's playing, you know, 
Texas and playing Florida Legit State. Legit competition. Yeah, and this game, he seemed to slow down a little bit. You know, we mentioned how he missed Trace a couple of times, but he also would drive in. And he's my favorite attribute of trades that I've seen earlier this season is that when he drives, you can tell he's aware of where every other offensive player is on the court because he can turn right around and fire a pass to him. You know, he got several guys open. He could have actually had more assists than he had. Um, but that was a really big development today for me. I thought Trey really showed a lot of growth. Um, yeah, and, and I thought he got better. big because he's got to play a ton this year. He's just going yeah, to have to. I thought he got better defensively in the second half. I thought he was pretty bad in the first half. And I thought they were driving right at him and, and trying to isolate him as other teams have done. I thought he got a little more uh, fundamental in the second half about moving his feet, keeping guys in front of him, and not sort of uh, defenders a lot of times will be caught flat footed. And, and as soon as a guy drives, they'll kind of stand up and stick their body in front of them to defend him instead of staying low, moving your feet and leaving a gap between you. Well, if you stick your body in someone, they're either going to call a foul or that guy's going to peel off around you, you know, cause you're leaning forward and he's leaning, you know, into your body. If you keep your feet and you stay low and you actually just kind of mirror him and get in front of him and Armand Franklin does this amazingly. When a guy drives on him, Armand Franklin doesn't lean into the guy. Mm-hmm. He did that a little bit last year. We noted it. He he mirrors where that guy is going and shifts with him and keeps a gap between them so the guy doesn't have angles to go. And if he does have an angle to go, Armand can step over. If you're leaning into a guy and he gets an angle to go, there's nowhere for you to go because you're pushing forward. He's going against you. And so he rolls off of you and it's an easy drive. Trey was doing a lot of that early in the year. It's a freshman thing. He's a freshman. That's the way things go. But I thought he moved his feet a lot better in the second half today. And here's the other thing. He's got great awareness and great court vision. There were a few of those passes he threw that are just off the mark. They're not in the shooting pocket. They're off to the side. He got one to Al where Al was wide open. and had to catch it to the side, recenter, and shoot. Guys aren't going to make those. But again, the fact that he's finding those guys is a big deal. And you know, as he gets more comfortable, he's going to be making better passes, more pinpoints. So you see the potential there for probably about seven assists. And he had five, seven or eight, uh, just because yeah. he's just off a little bit, maybe rushing the pass a little again, not used to the speed of the defenders, not used to the flow of the game. And also in high school, he didn't have to hit the pocket because those defenders were going to close out slower to those shooters. So they had a chance to reset and not rush their shots. So I just think that he is, you can just see it. He's about there. And uh, I was really impressed with him today as well. His vision, his ability to get out and run. That dude runs the floor every single time, too, and he provides an outlet. Um, there were two times I thought he passed the ball on offense that uh, on the break that I thought he should have tried to finish, maybe get fouled. But, other, I mean, again, he's going to learn. He's going to watch that in film and understand that. Andy, the other number that really jumps out to me is 19 assists on 25 made baskets, which is just an incredible number. You know, and it's not just one point guard doing it all. Trey with five, Al Durham with four, Franklin with three, Finnessy with three, Race Thompson with three, really spread around. Indiana now through seven games, assist rate of 62.1%, which is 34th in the country. That's outstanding. And when you look at what Archie Miller's good teams at Dayton did, they all played with high assist rates. Now, they, you know, for four years, he had Scoochie Smith, you know, point guard who led a lot of that. But Archie's offense, when it's going well, there's ball movement, like what you're seeing today. And hey, guys who actually make shots, which always helps your assist rate. But that, to me, was the story of the game offensively and probably the biggest team number that jumps out. Yeah, I know it's the same thing. I think at one point I tweeted out it was 14 of 17 um, of the first 17 shots that had assists. So I think that speaks to the ball movement. I think Trey was emblematic of that, as as we just talked about with him. But I, I do agree that you're getting more guys in the flow of the offense and being able to make those plays. 
as opposed to some of these recent years where things would really get bogged down and it would turn into an isolation at the end of the shot clock or just just not offense with no flow uh, essentially and so I think there's you've seen more of that this year I think the variability of what they're running contributes to that quite a bit they're I would assume less easy to prepare for uh, than what they've really been these last couple of years. And the more that you get guys like Armand to circle back to that point, being able to make shots on the outside, the more dangerous you become and the more, uh, the more pressure you're putting on defenses. So I think having so many guys, it's one of the things with playing three guards, uh, you, you have more guys comfortable and confident with the ball that can make those passes and find open players. And uh, I think that's one of the benefits that they've seen so far of, uh, of playing that way. Uh, Ryan, any big numbers jump out to you? Uh, just the, I, I really thought that the eight blocks were huge because if there's eight blocks, it also means you're altering probably double that, maybe more of shots, and you just yeah. happen to get to eight of them. But they were spread out. You know, Al Durham had a really nice one where he just kind of gripped the ball. On oh, a, that chase down block that he had? Yeah, that was a great chase down where he just kind of just kind of gripped it. Yeah. Um, Armand Franklin came from behind and got one, and you heard him say, get that out of here. Um, and then, you know, Trace had five, you know, which is a career high for him. Plus race had, had that one where he volleyballed it off the backboard. It felt like race uh, had more than one block. I, it? it seemed like <laughs> that. Yeah. I, I really was surprised. It was only one, but he was altering so many shots. that yeah. it probably looked like some of them were getting deflected. Um, but yeah, I thought the eight blocks really, they imposed that you're not going to get layups. You're just not going to get lay again, easy layups here. And we're going to, and it was a lot of, you know, if a guy makes a mistake defensively and that happens, you, you know, you, you read a guy the wrong way, jump one way it happens to good defenders it happens to great defenders. The key is to recover and, 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 and make it so it's not an easy basket. And, and when you see some chase down blocks and things like that, uh, Franklin's block was him making a mistake and recovering. And, and when you do that, you're showing a lot of effort and, and you're playing hard and you, you know, you don't just give up when you get beat. So I, I really think that that was a big stat. It showed that they were locked in, focused, and attacking uh, defensively. Yeah, you know, we mentioned the turnover number. Indiana with 15 turnovers, but what do we think? Two, three, four of those were on charge calls that were terrible. So the turnover yeah, number one, actually isn't as bad, I think, as it looks. There was one really bad travel call where it wasn't a travel either. It was an anticipation call by the official. And Archie said he wanted 12, and they got 15, and there were about five dead ball, bad calls there. So yeah. I thought the first half, they were really loose with the ball. I the second half, they played much better. And they didn't have as many of the live ball ones that really kill them. Butler no. only got three fast break points in the entire game. Um, so that's good. Andy, any other numbers before we yeah, move a couple, on? Yeah, a couple others. Uh, on, the, on the negative side, you know, giving up 10 offensive rebounds. Granted, Butler missed a lot of shots, so I don't have the percentage in front of me as what that was. A 12-second chance points. It felt like... And I know they said at halftime Butler had capitalized off of every first half uh, offensive rebound they got, where they they turned that into points. Uh, and IU only with four offensive rebounds. Now they shot the ball really well, but uh, you know it seems like they're back to a little bit of not making that as big a part of the offense. I think part of that is because they've been able to score a little bit better in half court settings as they uh, as they go. But I think the the rebounds in general is something to continue to watch for. Out rebounded thirty five to thirty uh, as a result of that, and and there were some struggles at times where, you know, it's not allowing, you know, one shot it's here's two or three where just a really bad sequence under the basket can lead to that. Uh, on the flip side, on the positive side, and this speaks a little bit to try to be more aggressive and not settle for threes. The second half, IU shot 71% on two point shots. They were 12 out of 17 
Um, and a took, lot of transition you know, only, buckets in there. Only took six That's threes. Trace and race too. Yeah, only took six threes. So finished really well around the basket. There weren't. I think Armand hit one, maybe two mid-range shots, but otherwise most of those were in the lane. Uh, Al hit a nice floater where he passed up a three and was more aggressive and, and got to the, you know, tried to get into the lane. So I think it it shows that while it's good for this team to hit three pointers and we want them to shoot better and all those things, uh, the bread and butter of this team is still going to have to be getting the ball inside. And they were effective, uh, a lot more effective at doing that in the in the second half. Uh, the free throw shooting in the second half was a, a different story, but uh, we'll we'll leave that for another day. Yeah, <laughs> actually, in the whole game, it wasn't very good to, to be <laughs> here's fair. The, here's the thing. You make those threes in the first half, and then you get a bunch inside in the second half because the team has to guard you on the perimeter. I mean, it's, you know... It, it, so you suggest they were playing the long game by playing really poorly <laughs> in large stretches of the first half. Of course! Come on! Okie doke with the, it's the right, old rope-a-dope, man. Come on, did you learn nothing from Muhammad Ali? No, uh, but I but it does, you know, if Armand Franklin has a, gets a, swing, uh, a pass swung to him on the perimeter... You got to go out and guard him, and and that just gets a defense scrambling. You respect that more, um, especially when you know Indiana hit a couple in the in a row early on to really get put it in the mindset that hey they can hit those. We need to you know Al hit one right off the bat, and and so it really put it in the mind that hey no they they can hit those. We need to guard it. I mean to be fair, when Indiana's playing at Banker's Life, you should probably double team Armand when he gets it at the three point line. He's twelve for seventeen I mean, in three games. I mean that's silly incredible. not to. <laughs> silly not to. That is incredible. Okay, coming up on this edition of the Assembly Call, we are going to hand out our game balls plus the Mike Roberts True Grit Award, and then we'll hit any other or no True Hustle Award, and then we'll hit any other lingering storylines. We'll look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and then it will be time for last call. That's next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Nick. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 68-60 to victory over Butler Saturday afternoon at the Crossroads Classic. Uh, time now for the game balls, fellas, and this is kind of a game where you might be able to argue for a few different guys on the game ball, which is kind of unique for this season. Uh, but I'm giving it to Trace. Uh, led the team in scoring. His energy was key in the second half, and his defense, I mean, the blocks were just, I mean, outstanding. I mean, it, it really kind of helped key everything that Indiana was doing. And, you know, I, I think what's impressive to me about this win, specific to how Trace played, you know, because, you know, a guy who's a sophomore now, you're looking for growth from him, and he was so good as a freshman, but how's he now getting better as a sophomore? 
is I think there might have been times last year when the way that Trace played early on, when you know he just didn't have kind of the same activity level and assertiveness we often see from him, sometimes that would snowball into the entire game. You know, and he would just kind of play 28, 30 minutes where it's like, all right, he was fine, but he didn't assert himself as the most talented player on the court. Today, that's kind of how it was for a lot of the first half. But then in the second half, it was a reminder of, oh, yeah, this guy is by far the best player on the court. He played like it, and his team really feeds off of that. So as we talked about before, you know, Indiana may have four captains, but Indiana's leader is Trace Jackson Davis. And his second half was huge, and I thought it was a big reason why Indiana came back. So hat tip to Armand and Race, and maybe we'll talk about them for the next award. But game ball today for me goes to Trace. Andy? Yeah, I, I'm going the same direction. I, I think his intensity defensively was a big factor in what they did the second half. Erased a number of shots uh, by the rim. He had the one even late where IU was up and uh, Al loses the ball going up and traces the guy sprinting back down to prevent the layup on the other end. So I just thought from an effort standpoint, played really well. And for as much as I just complained about the free throw shooting, he was 7 out of 10 from the line. Yeah. And, and like I said, there were a couple scenarios in big spots where he drew fouls, got to the line, and made both free throws. One at the end of the first half, and another. I think I said they Butler had cut the lead to six. I looked back at my notes; they had cut the lead to eight. He just gets the ball at the elbow, isolates Golden, goes right at him, gets fouled, makes two makes two free throws. Like those are the plays that you need your leader to make in that scenario to basically tell the other team you're not coming back in this game. I've got this. Everybody settled down. So I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was really solid. A lot of a lot of chat mob folks voting for Armand. And really, there's a case to be made that if any guard makes three or more three pointers, they should automatically uh, get a game ball. But uh, Ryan, are you going with Trace, or you want to throw in an, an honorable mention vote to Armand? I, I think you could make a real case for Armand because his threes in the first half really kept Indiana in the game. And and because there was there was a point where it looked like Butler was about to run away and and hide with you know they they there was a stretch where it looked like I think they got up eight or nine and they had a chance to maybe extend that to twelve. Uh and and when that happens when you're not playing well, that that's pack up the tent time. I'm not saying this team would have done that, but I mean sometimes it is. And especially against a team that slows it down like Butler. But I think Trace Jackson Davis in that second half was what we've come to expect from him. And I think a switch has gone off you know a switch has been turned since the Stanford game. And he just is not moping through games. He is attacking and going off. And I think in that first half, he was slow because they weren't getting the, the ball. I still, I think he would have been willing to attack, but he just wasn't getting the ball. Seven of nine from the field, seven of 10 from the free throw lane, uh, eight rebounds, five blocks, as you mentioned. You know, he had an assist, played 35 minutes. I, I just think when he's on, he's one of the best players in America. He just is. And, and I think that, uh, he without him in that second half defensively Indiana struggles, but the offense was there as well. So I, I think honorable mention for sure to Armand. I think he had a really good game, but Trace in that second half was just dominant. By the way, we should mention <clears throat> the stretch at the very end of the first half was important. You know, Butler went up nine and it really looked like they were going to take a nine, 10, 11 point lead into halftime. And I think, I think Trace got to the line and made a couple free of free throws. throws and then yeah, that was, had, yeah, that was one of the ones I just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know, and, and then Indiana had just a horrible possession at the at the end. Like I don't know what Somebody they were doing. Somebody trying to send a yeah. screen, and it was just it was. Yeah, I mean, they did nothing, but, but then Al bailed them out, just Al making a nice shot. You know, that's a look, veteran. Sometimes you need a shot maker, you know, and he made yeah. it, and that all of a sudden cut it to five, and it's like, my God, 
We just you played ten way, terrible minutes, and we're only down five. You feel way better going in yeah. half of that, especially when you haven't been feeding your best player, and you know this has happened, that's happened, whatever. You only scored, you know, at one point they had twenty eight points. It looked like you were going to a halftime with about twenty eight points, and it was yeah. just like, oh, you can't do well, that. They, yeah, then they came right out in the first. They had the ball first in the second half. Came right out and got it into TJD for a, a, a basket inside to you yeah, know, cut yeah. it even further. So that they've done that a lot. A Every second the half, the years, first possession yeah. goes into Trace. Every half, it's like a, a specific set to get him the ball in a perfect spot so he can use his left. So that's Trace's fourth game ball. Race, Allen, Armand all have one. All right, guys. Now time for the Mike Roberts Real Hustle Award. Uh, I'm giving this one to Race Thompson. Um, you know. And the difference, I mean, Armand, I think, was probably the second best overall player. But I thought in the second half, the, the guy that I kept thinking about as I, w- I was watching Race Thompson run the court was Cody Zeller. Like, he was just yep. beating people down the court, running Effort. really hard. And you weren't seeing that as much in the first half. But he was just creating scoring opportunities for himself and his teammates because he was running. It continues to be one of the most underrated elements of a big guy. Like, if a big guy just runs fast from end to end, it creates so many opportunities. And I thought Race was doing that. I thought defensively, he had just another level of energy. And, you know, that's where he and he and Trace were just like Batman and Robin. I mean, their energy, their activity keyed everything for Indiana. And look, it, I really do. It, it reminded me a ton of what Troy Williams did in 2015, where sometimes when you're playing lethargic and, you know, things are going poorly and you're down – if people just go out and play with energy, good things start to happen, you know, and that that's what happened. And so I'm a big hat tip to race Thompson just for his effort and energy there. Do you guys have any other votes for Mike Roberts, real hustle award? Drew Hunter obviously does not get it for his, uh, for his no hustle. No, I I will, I will give it to race as well. I thought the second half, he just turned it on. I thought his energy was infectious and, and, you know, sort of wore off on, uh, everybody else around him. And, and I think that he, you know, it started from the first possession. I texted you guys a few minutes in. I just said, race is a different guy this half. And he just is, I mean, he just was, it was, everything was great. And to finish with seven rebounds, we mentioned that, uh, you know, they only had one block, but how many shots did he alter? How many passes did he make that, that were key he had three assists, you know, and, and one of them was to really the punctuation, you know, the exclamation point on the thing where he caught it in the post and he could have gone up and, and challenged the defender for it, but say he slipped it to trace for a big dunk. I mean, the unselfishness between those two has been a really fun to watch this year. They really help each other out. And, um, especially when they play that high, low game and things, there's plenty of times that race could take a, free throw line jumper instead he feeds it into trace and and they really are unselfish and they really play to help each other and i think that works on the defensive end too they really help each other out a lot yeah <clears throat> by the way uh ken palm numbers have updated indiana now up to eighth nationally in defense so the defense just keeps going up i was i was shocked you know iowa actually played a real team and they gave up 99 points what a <laughs> what an utter surprise that a team that hadn't practiced in in weeks because of covid so well now, in, uh, now look gonzaga is obviously awesome but 99 points i mean that's you know if only well, someone had been it? saying all season i long saw somebody I was not I, elite i saw somebody tweeted out that gonzaga missed a large number of shots around the basket too it said where they're you know again i think we could all argue with some of these things that are classified as layups and dunks but there was a number of those that they missed so it could have been it could have been more i you know to go back to to what you guys are talking about i think race is certainly a fair choice i mean armand i thought did more of the things too. in the second half that we would expect he had seven points but two rebounds two assists a block a steal uh, I th- and played all 20 minutes of the second half was the only guy who played the whole second half. I think looks like trace went out for a minute or uh, 30 seconds here and there, but yeah, he came uh, out right before the, t- the under 12 
Butler called a timeout and it was like 1236. And so Archie mm-hmm. was trying to steal him some, cause he knew he was going to get another timeout in a minute. So yeah. he, he stole some minutes. For him. Yeah. So I'll, I'll throw Armand in that mix, but uh, I'm, I'm good either way. I think those three were really the, the, uh, the clear choices today. I know we, I mean, there, there's definitely some anger in the chat mob, but it does seem ironic that Armand doesn't get one of the official awards in a banker's life Fieldhouse game. So we'll give him the Juwan Morgan Memorial banker's life dominant shooting performance game. Once again, from Armand, which really should now be the Juwan Morgan Armand Franklin award. So anybody yeah. else who plays well at banker's life, you, uh, that'll be the award that we bestow upon you. All right. Any other lingering storylines on this one, this game? Oh, there is one that we need to talk about. One guy's name that we haven't even mentioned, and I guess with good reason because he was kind of invisible, is Rob Finnessy, uh, who played you know 19 minutes. Obviously, defensively, you know, you're not going to turn in a, a, a second half defensively as good as Indiana did without Rob being a part of it, and he certainly was. But boy, offensively, he was really just kind of a ball mover out there, not much more. He had three points, only took three shots. You know, he did have three assists and no turnovers, so didn't make a lot of big mistakes but just wasn't the instigator that Al and Armand yeah. are, which you kind of need. Um, and the issue is confidence, Jared. Yeah, no, I know it is. It just is. I mean, you, you're yeah. seeing when he shoots the ball, when he shot the ball today, specifically, he made a really nice layup where he drove in and battled through some contact and scored. And I was kind of like, Oh, maybe that'll turn Rob on. It, it, it didn't. And, and you noticed it the free throw line and you noticed it when he shot a three, he's, he's not following through confidently on his shot and everything's ending up short. Cause that's what happens when you don't follow through confidently. You don't snap off your shot. You don't get enough backspin. You don't get enough, you know, sort of momentum behind it and things go short. And, and I just think Rob's too much in his head right now. He plays great defense. I still think he plays great defense, but offensively he's just, you know, he needs to find some confidence somewhere. I don't know where that's going to come from, but he needs to find confidence because I mean, he only played 19 minutes, you know, he's your starting point guard and he wound up being sort of pushed aside today. And and that's going to happen if you don't play with confidence. And the thing is, Armand Franklin is brimming with confidence. Al Durham is brimming with confidence. Uh, Trey Galloway isn't outwardly bump, pumping his chest or anything, but you can tell he's confident when he's on the floor. You need to have that. You need to have something that says, Hey, I know I'm a good player and I know I can affect this game. And with Rob, offensively, you do not get that feeling. And there are some games he'll pop up and play really well, and you'll be like, all right, he's turning a corner, and then it's right back. It reverts right back. So I I, I just think that this guy, somebody needs to find him some confidence. I don't know how it how it happens, how you coach that, anything, but he needs to he needs to find some confidence. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it, you, you look at him, you mentioned him coming up short on his shots. I think the one he was the most short on was he took a pull-up jumper, one of the first possessions. Oof. Nice shot, like dribbled to the elbow or, or around there and was barely grazed the front of the rim. Yeah, And he that took was... shots. He took that on the fourth possession, missed the three on the sixth possession, and took one shot the rest of the game. Yeah, and that and was because he and had too the, late in the clock. And that yeah. was the drive that you talked about. And he did get to the free throw line. I think that was in the second half where he... um I believe he missed the the front end of a or may, no he went one for two I think when he got to the line, um you know kind of midway through the second half but yeah he he seemed like he came out with confidence so like take a couple shots early but it, then it felt like when those didn't go in it was like all right I'm done and he did get in a little bit of foul trouble I think that's why he didn't play quite as much I think he ended yeah, he with four, four but uh, but yeah I think you you keep waiting on him to turn the corner and I think when you pull that together with the lander piece 
it's the combination of those two things. Like it's one thing if you didn't give Lander and I'm just going to beat this into the ground at this point, maybe Ryan will freeze again. And no, drop please off, do. But, please do. Um, but, but if Rob was playing really well and that's your reason not to put Lander back in, then I kind of, I kind of get it, but you need one of those guys to really step into being able to play 30 minutes of, of point guard for your team at some point. And I think that's yeah. a, probably a bridge too far for Lander at this point to get from where he is now to playing 30 minutes a game. So, but again, you've got to get some kind of balance there where you've got somebody that you're, you're confident in running the show of those two. I think Armand has acquitted himself fine as a primary ball handler. I think Al is another guy who's been fine with that and, and they give you some versatility, but from a true point guard standpoint, like you need one of those guys to do it. And so that was the other thing that as I looked at Lander, it was like, it, it, you know, Rob just didn't seem to to have it other than on the defensive end, which you've come to expect from him, but just offensively just doesn't feel like a threat out there. Look, this is a good Indiana team. You know, this Indiana team can beat Providence. They can beat Stanford. They can beat Butler with Armand and Al being almost like the primary playmakers and even Trey Galloway. But this team's ceiling, there's a pretty hard cap on this team's ceiling, which I think is probably right around the maybe 15 to 20 mark. That, you know, I think the, the depth of the front court, which we've talked about there, look, there are no answers to that on, on the, like, you're not going to add more people there, but the other issue is the point guard play. And there are potential answers on the roster there, which is either Rob playing better or Christian Lander getting in there and improving. You know, you can beat Butler. You are not going to beat good teams in the big 10 with Rob giving you 19 ineffective minutes and Christian Lander playing two. So I think when you watch a game like this, you try and project forward. Okay. What is replicable against good teams? Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, what they did, very replicable. Armand Franklin, the way he played, very replicable. But Indiana's going to have to get better point guard play than what they got today and what they've gotten in you know, the Texas game and the Florida State game if they're going to beat good teams. Otherwise, they'll settle into being a good team, which is fine. That'll still be growth in the fourth year under Archie Miller, but they're not going to take that giant leap forward and actually be a real Big Ten contender unless they get that play. I think it's, it's kind of just as simple as that. So... With that said, Andy, let's look ahead. Well, that to was schedule. a real downer. That wasn't a downer. It's just true. You know, I mean, we're still, yeah. I mean, look, we're clearly better, you know? So it's like, I think we should enjoy that this team is clearly better. They play harder together. They, you know, they have, there's yeah. better chemistry. They're shooting better, like all the things that we've wanted. So I don't, I don't want it to be a downer because there's a yeah. lot to be happy about, but it is, you know, it's sometimes important to step back and take the micro look and say, okay, hey, why, sure. you know, why did we lose to Texas? Why did we lose to Florida state? Why are we not in some people's top 25s? It's because like there's a couple glaring deficiencies on this team. And, you know, Armand Franklin has stepped up and kind of filled one of the preseason glaring deficiencies, but there are still others. And hopefully as the season goes along, we'll find answers to those. As we look ahead, Andy, Indiana faces Northwestern next. Uh, for context, Butler is 67th in Ken Palm, Northwestern is 68th. So they're kind of right around each other. Uh, and we've got this interesting part of the schedule now where five of the next six games are against the kinds of teams that Indiana has beaten pretty handily. You're facing Northwestern, Penn State, Maryland, uh, and Nebraska. So I guess four of the next six. Teams that Indiana should be able to beat comfortably. Now, I don't know if they will, but just when you kind of look at it, these are the teams Indiana has beaten comfortably so far this season. And then you've got Illinois and Wisconsin mixed in there. So, And then once you get past this part of the schedule, it is basically top 25 teams every other game. So it's going to get a lot harder. So this is an interesting place, Andy, where Indiana needs to keep winning because you've got to rack up wins here. But boy, it sure would be nice to get Christian Landers some playing time. Sure would be nice to get Jordan Geronimo some playing time in case someone gets hurt or goes down and he has to play. So I know that we all want to win as much as possible, 
But I really think it's important for Archie over the next four to six games to also view the big picture and try and you know get some guys who are clearly talented some minutes. It's not like you're putting stiffs out there. All these guys have talent and the athletic ability to play. But your thoughts, Andy, on the upcoming schedule and then in particular the Northwestern game? Yeah, Northwestern at this point, uh, really no idea what to expect. They have three wins. One came against Arkansas Pine Bluff, uh, who's ranked 351st in Ken Palm. One came against Chicago State, who's 356. And the other came against some guy named Quincy, uh, who apparently wasn't very good and uh, lost by 52. Uh, and then their only loss came at home to Pitt in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, where they got up early. I think we're up 11 at halftime and totally gagged the game away in the second half. So uh, I don't know that you know a whole lot about them based on what they've done so far. They've got Michigan State, I believe, tomorrow uh, on Sunday. They've got seven guys scoring at least 9.8 points per game, but I think any of those kinds of numbers, it's hard to really uh, really take too much from. So I think they'll be better than they were uh, a year ago because uh, Boo Booey is, is healthy, and so that will help them, but still a, a lower-tier Big Ten team in a game that uh, IU needs to be able to, to win uh, and build some momentum, as you said, in this first part of the schedule, playing three of the first four at home. Now, obviously, that comes back to... Uh, you know, even itself out over the over the course of things. But you're playing three of your first four at home against teams picked in the bottom quarter of the league uh, by most in, in terms of Northwestern Penn State, Maryland, in a game where you're playing with house money at Illinois in the middle uh, on the day after day after Christmas. So who really know, you know, the motivation and all those kinds of things. Maybe it'll be a really early tip and, you know, you catch somebody sleeping and, and you go from there. But I think you really have to come out three and one of these, these first few games. And that starts with the, the Northwestern game, uh, probably as winnable a game as they'll, uh, have on the, on the schedule from here on out. Ryan, any, uh, any thoughts on this upcoming schedule and how you, how you think it should be handled? They got to win. I mean, I, they got, they got to beat Northwestern. There's no, you know, it's got to win that, but I, 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 I will go back to what I said. I think this is a game you can get Christian Lander some more playing time. I think that his athletic ability and his speed will help and maybe get him some confidence. And maybe he gets his confidence through dishing out assists, not necessarily making baskets. But here's the thing, that kick you shoot free throws too. So if he gets in there and draws contact, he can get to the line. Again, just slowly develop more confidence for him. Um, I, I think that is a, a good fit as far as getting him some playing time. Then you got to go on the road to Illinois. So that's you're not going to see much of him there unless there's foul trouble, I would think. So I I think that this is a real opportunity to they got to get they got to start fast. They can't do what they did today. They got to start fast, get ahead, and then maybe just start to wear on Northwestern and rotate in some of the young guys, get them some playing time. Yeah. Okay, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel to get the perfect gift for the college sports fan in your life. Use the promo code Assembly Two Zero at checkout to get twenty percent off your entire order. By the way, I also want to mention. Um, the guys at, let me make sure I have the URL right. I think it's gohoosiers.fans. Um, yeah, gohoosiers.fans. And this is, it's Sports Designs Group by Fox. And so I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, these guys sent me uh, some like wood designs. One was an IU, one was the script Indiana, and then an assembly call. Yeah, Ryan's holding his up right now. Guy's a longtime listener of the show. Um, and said he had some samples to send me. And so he sent me these and they were incredible. I mean, the quality is really good. So I had him make some for Christmas presents for Andy and Ryan and coach Ryan, your Surprise, thoughts Andy. when you, you're no, Andy already got his. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. 
Uh, no, I Madeline opened it because we thought it was one of the gifts we had ordered for family, and she opened it. and She was like, "This is really nice." Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't know why she was so surprised, but no, it. But it was. They are. They're really nice, and it's going to go right here when we redo the wall. Is going to be the assembly call one. So yeah, uh, we'll just move some stuff around back here for the new year. We'll still keep Peco Park, I think, but we'll shift it around. Maybe so. get your Steve Alford autograph in a more prominent. Well, this position. was my this was my Christmas present from my mom last year, right here. So yeah, there's just a, a lot of Christmas gifts. Are wait, is that Assembly up. Hall? Yeah, Assembly Hall. Your mom got you a Christmas gift of an arena that you want to blow to smithereens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was she being ironic, or was that she's pretty witty? She's <laughs> yeah. a she's a witty lady. <laughs> Very nice. Anyway, um, if you're looking for a gift, they, they only have a few designs right now. I know they're kind of building this out more. Um, and by the way, they're not paying us for this, but I think they are going to become an advertiser in the future. Uh, but I just want to shout those guys out because I was not expecting anything when he uh, said he was going to send me samples and they're incredible. So as soon as I move into my new office, I will be hanging those up behind me as well. All right, fellas, time for last call. Your final closing thoughts on, uh, you know, not an overwhelming Indiana victory, but certainly an impressive second half, um, which was nice to see. Andy, why don't you go first? Ryan's still waking up. Uh, well, I, I, I joke with you guys on text that maybe Archie needs to start giving the uh, the halftime speech before the game, as was potentially the case with the, with a couple of these games that have that have happened over the course of time. But uh, I think you look at it and you look at the season, and I know. You know, Jeff had uh, sent this as a show that we we hit on Assembly Call Radio, where you're kind of looking at the season in in sections, and you end the non-conference portion of the season five and two with uh, three wins over major conference teams, all on neutral floors. So I think you feel pretty good about that. Would you have liked to steal the game uh, at Florida State, and were there opportunities to do that? Absolutely. Uh, but I think this team, from that perspective, if you just take a step back and look at the results. Uh, you feel fine about it heading into a a favorable part of the Big Ten schedule. So now you transition to conference play and, and figure out what you can do. And, and again, we continue to see this team's identity is going to be on the defensive end. And when they didn't play well there and didn't put up enough resistance in the first half, that let an inferior team hang around and build at one point a nine-point lead. IU turned it on. They've got to figure out how to turn it on sooner and bring that consistent effort and really exert their will on somebody else and keep their foot on the gas. I think there were multiple times in the game where they had three straight possessions where they had the ball up eight chance to go chance to push his double digits. Didn't do it. Now the next time they had a chance to do that, they did, but you, you look at those kinds of things and can they create separation and not get into these uh, sections of the game where the offense bogs down, but uh, the emergence of Armand Franklin has been, a positive thing heading into Big Ten play. It gives you another guy in the backcourt that you feel good about heading into that. You still feel good about Trace. You still feel good about races. He's really come on uh, in the non-conference part of the schedule. So I think the the biggest concerns for me are you still have some of these offensive lulls. How do you avoid slow starts and the depth? At some point, you've got to find some other guys that you can count on to give you more minutes than I think they've they've seen thus far. But the the net result of being five and two at that point, I think you have to feel pretty happy with in a, in an odd season uh, against a much tougher non conference schedule on balance than what you'd normally see. By the way, a tweet just sent from friend of the show Rick Bozich says, according to my research, Armand Franklin, the first Indiana player to make five threes in consecutive games since James Blackman Jr. made five against Penn State and six against Michigan State, <clears throat> January eighteenth and twenty first of twenty seventeen. Yeah, I think that was the yeah the game winner. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty good shooting company there for Armand Franklin to be Not in. Not bad. Now put Armand Franklin's defense 
on James Blackman Jr. Lethal. <laughs> uh, my last thought is just it's kind of echoes Andy's. Is you look at this schedule and you went to the you went to Asheville and you were thinking, all right, let's get two wins. They got two wins. the The loss they looked bad against Texas, but okay, you're expecting two wins. You went in and you got two wins. You're playing Florida State and you're on the road against what is a good team, and you're thinking, just go in there and not look bad. Let's go in there and compete. And you had a chance to win that game late. And we've gone over that on a couple different shows. They had a real chance to win that game, probably should have won that game and didn't. But then you take care of business everywhere else. You have to feel good about five and two. And as you said, in a weird year, uh, Andy, it's, it, you know, you've done what you've, wh- what essentially you were projected to do. Win two in Maui. The, if you get to the championship game, it's crapshoot. It's always crapshoot. They didn't get to the championship game, but they did win two. Florida State, I mean, that was a coin flip game. It really was a coin flip game, and Indiana lost it. Bad luck, but you got to finish out those games. Still, that said, this team is at a point where it's put himself in a really good position moving into Big Ten play because that was a tough non-conference schedule, and they elevated and did well. I think the most important thing, though, is you see that this team works well together on every level with every guy that's put in there. They're all communicating. They all work better. You can just tell there's better chemistry. You can tell defensively they're all talking. I love the change that Archie made where he's switching everything on the perimeter for the most part. I I think that has changed the defense and made it more aggressive and made it more active as opposed to just waiting through screens. Uh, I just think there have been a lot of positive developments. Armand Franklin's development through the non-conference has been great. He's got to keep that up in Big Ten play. Indiana needs him. And, And I just think that if you're summing up the non-conference season, the non-conference schedule, you would say that five and two is where you want it to be. Kind of lived to expectations. Didn't really surprise. But what surprised is the way this team plays and how aggressive they are defensively. This is a swarming aggressive defense. And offensively, it just looks like they're very unselfish and they're willing to help each other out a lot. And Trace Jackson Davis has, has sort of gone to that level that we all more often than not than we all think he needs to. And I think a guy like race Thompson is help, helping out with a lot of energy. I think there's just a lot of positives about this team. We'll see. It's going to be a bruiser of a conference season. I mean, this is as good as the big 10 has been in a while. So we'll see how it holds up, but through the non-conference, you're looking at it and you feel very positive about where Indiana is. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean to be pedantic. I, I would make one subtle word shift on what you said, which is, you know, five and two, it's not necessarily where Indiana wanted to be. It's it's where you had to be based on this. Yeah, schedule. it was expe- where you were expected to be. Right. It's, it, it, yeah, that's the thing. You know, you're right. You, you win one of those Florida State or Texas games, you feel kind of ecstatic. And so that's, you know, as we enter Big Ten play, I would say the way that I feel about this team is I feel good. You know, but I'm I'm not necessarily looking at number 17 and Ken Palm and some of these other things and letting myself get fooled into thinking this team is better than it is, but it's good. And it's a team worth getting behind for the reason that you said, Ryan, you know, and please forgive me for the Bill Simmons-ness of the point that I'm about to make, but now you can even see the guys like tweeting each other more after games, which is kind of a weird thing that like you didn't see last year, but like I just looked on Twitter and Trace is tweeting Joey Bronk and Armand's tweeting Al. And I don't know why these guys aren't just talking to each other. since They're presumably in the same locker room, but like, there's like little things like that that you see about the chemistry and togetherness that feel real. Um, and that's important, especially as you're going through a long slog, especially if it's going to be kind of an undermanned team, you know, just in terms of the depth down low, 
that kind of stuff can get you through that, you know, and can help you win coin flip games. And so I think a big part of what has frustrated Indiana fans about the last three seasons, you know, in addition to just the shooting deficiencies and some of the other stuff is not feeling like the teams have been that cohesive. And I think we have that. And I think that's a big reason why Indiana so far this season has been able to overcome some of their deficiencies, you know, and not just win some of these games against the Providences and the Stanfords and the Butlers, but win them really being impressive for long stretches of them. And so that's, that's the good thing. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, Indiana's, you know, three important victories are over number 62, number 32, and number 67 in Ken Palm. And now, as we said, we've got some other games against teams kind of similarly. Indiana needs to keep playing that way to prepare itself for when the schedule gets even tougher. But I think a lot to like about this Indiana team, a really likable team. Trace Jackson Davis has absolutely elevated himself to superstar status in college basketball, playing at an All-America level. And Armand Franklin and Race Thompson right now are very, very worthy wingmen for him. And I think that trio, you feel good about that trio uh, heading into Big Ten play. Al Durham right there with him. If you can get something more out of your point guard position, if you can get something more out of your bench, now this Indiana team starts to look a little bit more complete and you start feeling better about their chances against the Illinois and Wisconsin's of the world. But we'll see how they do. They're going to have that opportunity coming up here real soon. And, uh, you know, so far so good for Indiana on this season. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of good basketball to come uh, as we move through the rest of the schedule. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you ever want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson, who produced a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you uh, Wednesday after IU Northwestern. Until then. Take it from me, native Hoosier Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Turn your butt cheeks on. <laughs> I really. <laughs> wow. That last one. I did not expect that. I, uh, I do love that we didn't have to pay for the Titus one. You know? No. Like, so now, now we would. Now Titus is big time. So we probably would have to pay him. That was, that was like last year. I know. But he's like, he's you know, now he's got like slick back hair and he's, oh, yeah. you know. He's the on funniest, Fox. I, I have to say, he and Ty, he was on Fox last year when he did our show. Um, yeah. But I, the funniest thing was all week in Asheville where it was snowing and really cold, and he and Tate are walking around in shorts, <laughs> Hawaiian shirts, and flip flops. That was just with lays on. Yes. <clears throat> By the way, it, did you listen to his the, their latest podcast? No, I haven't when, listened when, to the latest one, though. No. So, Andy, did you listen to it? Uh-huh. Or did you did you see the clip when they were talking about how you tell the difference between a glue guy and an X Factor? Oh, I, I saw the tweet <laughs> about that, but I didn't listen yet. It's really funny. He's like, okay, I finally figured it out because <clears throat> they were talking about you know teams playing against a zone, and he's like, all right, when you're playing against a zone, a glue guy is going to go get in there in the high post, get the ball, find the open man, you know, set the screens, and an X Factor is just going to be like, screw it, I'm shooting threes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, which kind of checks out, you know, because Jerome Hunter's an X Factor, Race Thompson's a glue guy. And so I laughed today, you know, Butler played a couple possessions of zone and you had Jerome Hunter in the high post. And by the end of the possession, he had drifted out to the three point line. I was like, well, there you go, Titus. Very, uh, very good description. Hey, nice to be on with you, with you two. Yeah, we should make a habit of this too. at some point. I know. We should really start a show. <laughs> yeah, we should. Mm. <laughs>
Well, Northwestern's hanging with Ohio State, but yeah, it, looks it looks like Ohio like, State's about to score again. Yeah, it looks like Ramsey just had another turnover. It's oh, been very man. strange I, looking on my Twitter feed and seeing all these IU fans rooting for Ohio State, but they should I, kinda, be I understand for Ohio why. State. Yeah. Should yeah, have they, been rooting for Ohio State, Tennessee, and we should have been rooting for Iowa State, but they're getting blown out. Last yeah, they got by 10 the last I saw, yeah. 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 Well, well, USC's out, so... Yeah, the uh, Ryan Phillips Bowl Phillips is probably Bowl not going to happen. Man. Yeah, because they're terrible. They've been bad all year. Like they, they were undefeated, but they played teams that were just horrific. And I, somebody was telling me last night, because I was complaining, I was like, Clay Helton needs to go. If USC ever wants to be nationally relevant, Clay Helton has to go. He's just, they're undisciplined. They're, you know, whatever. And somebody was somebody was like, they went 5-0 and until tonight. It's like, well, yeah, their first game, they were down 13 or 12 with 230 left. Somehow recovered an onside kick that bounced off a guy, like scored as time expired. Like they, they got so lucky all year. Like Chip Kelly handed them the game against UCLA last week by mismanaging the time and all this stunning, stuff. Just, stunning. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, I'm sure that you, you that that sounds familiar to you. Andy. Huh, where is that? Where have I heard about that? But it's like, and they also played that. the in the Pac 12 South, which is one of the worst divisions in college football. So it's like five and oh is not, not worse like, than the Big Ten West, certainly. It's it's probably about even. Like if USC was if what USC, an indictment for anything. That's I know. terrible. If USC was in the SEC, it would be a bottom five team. Like they're terrible. Yeah. Um, I get a very Crean in 2017 vibe from your Clay Helton tweets. Yes. I mean it is. It's it's one of those things where it's like if you like here's the thing, if you want to occasionally make the Pac 12 title game because you recruit talented players, or sure, keep him. If you want to actually be relevant nationally and like consistently win the Pac-12, get a real coach. Like it's go get Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. Like, you know, I mean, you don't even have to do Urban Meyer. Like that guy knows how to build a program and his athletic director at Cincinnati who hired him there is now USC's athletic director. Just go do that. Like it but it's just We're sorry for ending this triumphant Indiana afternoon Ow, with depressing was... USC talk. Well, there you go. <laughs> So, but they're out. So, Indiana, I, I, if they leave Indiana out of the New York Six Bowl, like New Year's Six Bowl, just <clears throat> blow the whole damn thing up. Like, it, it would make no sense. Then we will have to do a show ranting about it, I think. Yes, we will. Happens. I think we will. And we riot. Yes. And, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, gents. Um, okay. So, Northwestern on the 23rd. Do we figure out what, who's got what that day one? of the week is that? Yeah, I got, I got that one. It's Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, I can do that. Okay, I may, I, I may be what able to hop on too. What, what time I, is tip? I don't have the don't slightest know. idea, but let me look. Yeah, let's find out. Andy, you may need to host it because I may have to be on my phone for it, but I think I should be able okay. to do it. When are I'll you be, moving out and then in, Jared? We close on our house December 22nd, so next Tuesday. And uh, our option period for a house that we're looking at right now ends Sunday. And if we end up taking that house, then we close there January 8th. So we should... Once it's closed, you're... You're in. Yeah, once it's closed, then we'll start. Yeah, start. So hopefully by mid January we're in. We just need to. There's a couple things we need to get repaired at the new house, and as long as they're willing to do that, then I think we'll probably take it. Cool. So it'd be nice to be. Is in it? The is office. it an up? Is it? Do you think it's an upgrade? Yeah, it's like definitely an upgrade. upgrade. Yeah, like yeah we just need more room since you know we got a another kid coming in March, so we needed to just needed a bigger place. So eight eight thirty Eastern is the game time. Okay, that's Ooh. good for me. Eight thirty Eastern. Um, okay. Is it uh, Brian, by is the way, new- Brian? That's or Ryan? That's PM. Just in case you were confused. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I got it. <laughs> okay, I got it. Uh, 
did um is your new place far from where you guys are currently it'll probably be about 20 minutes 25 minutes okay so not a big change no no not a huge change so yeah all right fellas well this was That's fun good. oh by the way uh no assembly call radio we're be two straight weeks without assembly call radio because we're not going to do it Christmas. And I guess if we want to get crazy, we could all ring in the new year together, but probably not no assembly call radio. On could we record Eve. that one earlier? Maybe like a day early. I mean, possibly. Okay. So that one's up in the air, but we're definitely not going to do a show on Christmas because we'll have stuff to talk about. Yeah. No Christmas for sure, but we'll have stuff to talk about. Yeah. Let's play that one by ear. We probably can yeah. do something for it because yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, seven, well, there's going to be a seven. game the day before. They play Penn State the night before. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll play that one we'll by see. ear. But definitely no yeah. show on Christmas Eve. But okay. definitely on Christmas Eve, Ryan will be doing a dramatic reading of was Twas the Night Before Christmas. So, we, yes. you know. Always. Definitely. <laughs> Got to give the people what they want. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. <clears throat> all right. Later, guys. We will talk to you guys next week. All right. Later. See you all. See you guys. Thanks. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.